Hello, this is Rabbi Mark Soloway. Welcome to A Dash of Drush, weekly reflections on our world through the lens of Torah. There are so many questions around about how we really have a relationship with with prayer, with tefillah. Talked about some of it in relationship to the smell of prayer and the reach nichoach, it's pleasing over to God and, and how, how we bring our full, true, authentic selves to prayer, which is very challenging sometimes when the words of the prayers are barriers to us rather than rather than a vehicle that really draws us in. And so just going a little further in the exploration of, of, of prayer, and I've got a really a great guest here with me who um, is beginning to get quite a, a lovely reputation for being a contemporary liturgist, um, writing contemporary prayers um, that are really speaking to a lot of people, to this generation of people and someone I'm privileged to call a friend. Even though our names are very similar, we don't think that we are related to each other. But I'm, I'm, I'm joined by Alden Solovey. And it's great to have you, Alden. How are you? Great, great. Nice to be here. It's good to see you, friend. Good to see you, friend. How's your prayer life? Great question. Um, you know, it, it has been uh, rocky lately. And uh, that's what makes it such a great question. I um, believe that my prayer life needs to be sustained whether I'm fully into the kavana or not because prayer is, is, is a spiritual discipline for me. It's a set of exercises, a drill set. Uh, and my experience is that when I practice it, I can open those doors again and then when those unexpected griefs take place the spiritual lessons of prayer come back to me so right now it's a little rocky I'm struggling and um, in a way I'm glad for it how's your prayer life I love this because I, I I joked in a previous podcast like it's not that's not generally a question that we ask each other like in our social media like, how's your prayer life like um, my prayer life is also rocky, and I think I, I share with you that sense. You, you talked about the kavanah, and those of you not familiar with that word, kavanah is intention or, or the kind of the, 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 what we bring to the, the outer form of the prayer, the inner, the inner world. And that's a hard one to, to always feel like I have my own inner world is somehow finding its expression in practice of prayer. But like you, I think I... I I feel it's important to have a daily prayer practice, and I do. It it does kind of punctuate my day in ways that are I hope helpful to giving me perspective um, and and balance in a world that feels very out of balance so much of the time. So how do you? I mean, I've heard you talk about having a relationship with prayer, or even I I saw this lovely um, video you that's been out there, an Ellie talk, which is. Um, which is called a, a falling in what's it called Fall, falling how, in love with prayer falling in love with prayer how do you fall in love with prayer yeah and it's it's um it's an opening um, that prayer can provide for us i can tell you i've fallen in love with the matovu i've fallen in love with the viahavta i had a strange experience of 
And uh, these yeah. are these are specific uh, prayers. Some that you say first thing in the morning, the Vyahafta, which is about loving God with all of your heart and all your soul and all your might. And you know, I I, I had a really peak um, experience in the Avodah service, the 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 service on Yom Kippur around the um, the sacrifices for. Um, uh, atonement, which was a total surprise for me, because that's not something that generally speaks to me. The the in the classic Sidur, the sacrificial um, prayers or the references to those those rites. Um, falling in love with a prayer is about opening myself up to both the practice of that prayer and the meaning of the prayer. The, the first time I fell in love with the prayer was the Viahaf, uh, pardon me, was the Matovu. And uh, it's the, the prayer we say immediately on walking into the synagogue. And there's a line, Hashem um, Pardon me. Um, God, I love your house. When I got to that line, Hashem Ahavti Meon Beitechad hit me. I love your house. The line means God. I love your house. God, I love your house. God, I love your house. And it hit me. And then that last line, which which I quoted, Vanitafilatilacha, um, which is class, classically translated as for me, uh, let my prayer rise up to you. That came to mean um, as for me, let me be a prayer. Let me rise up to you. As a prayer, but I need to feel at I am prayer. I am prayer. A matovu, just to put it in a little bit into context, is it's it's a verse from from Torah, which uh, you know was set out to be a word of of, of of curse and turned into a word of blessing. Matovu halecha Yaakov, how great, how good are your tents, O Jacob, your your dwelling places, Israel. So that's a a powerful a powerful prayer that's that's part of our liturgy. So I want to. Um, so you're talking about when you're talking about falling in love, you're talking about falling in love with the prescribed prayers that we have in our in our siddur in our prayer book. You're talking about the sort of matbeya tefillah, the the ordered prayers that we have, and yet many people who are familiar with your work associate you with with writing prayers that have not really connected to the traditional prayers. They're contemporary prayers. They're spontaneous prayers, and you know, well, I don't know if they're spontaneous, but I mean they they come. They are expressing something that the traditional language of prayer does not express. So, right. how do you have a relationship between between the two, between the traditional words of prayer, which are a barrier for some people, and between more expressive personal prayer? Right, and 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 this um, freelance prayer life, if you will, is for some is also a barrier. It's um, a, a challenge to come up with my own words for some individuals. The, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about two important elements of a prayer life. One is what I, I'm talking about is Sidur mastery, the, 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 the personal mastery of our prayer book. I believe that this thing, this Sidur, which is not a book, but it's a series of books that lives in both space and time, meaning um, it reflects over time the 
evolution of our yearnings, of our hopes, of the songs and stories of our people. And in space, in physical space, whether it's the Sidur, uh, Ashkenazi Sidur, or a Sephardi Sidur, or a Haari Sidur, um, th this is a, a breadth of, of prayers and liturgy and stories and hopes and dreams that have been developed over uh, centuries and millennia that that if I give those proscribed prayers a chance, the, their heart, the, the lev uh, and the ahava, the heart and the love in them are available to me. So that, that fixed book becomes uh, a living book. Um, and there is a, a whole set of, of prayers that are Tfilot, our, our fixed Sidur, don't answer. I had someone ask me to write um, a prayer to um, recognize the 20-year anniversary of a conversion. Someone asked me write, to write a prayer for someone who just faced the infidelity of their partner. Someone, uh, a prayer for taking off a wedding band. Should that be the same prayer if the, the, the partner uh, dies or if there's a divorce? Um, lots of interesting questions around writing a contemporary prayer for our contemporary times. And so you're not suggesting that the prayers that you write are a replacement for the traditional prayers. They're, they're to answer some of the questions that the traditional prayers don't ask or, or, or at least provide some kind of meaning to events and to, um, to circumstances in our lives that we, we, where we don't find ourselves located in the, in the words of the, of the Siddur, the traditional words of prayer. So what I'm trying to do is create doorways into prayer. Some of my pieces will be meditations on a traditional prayer. So I have a meditation called uh, Come Beloved, which is a meditation that riffs essentially off of Yadid Nefesh and includes a couple of lines of Yadid Nefesh. It's not to replace that particular uh, Shabbat prayer. It's to help others enter that particular prayer space. So one element of this is uh, meditations that, that build our relationship with the, the Sidur. And another element is to create prayers and at times rituals that relate to um, uh, aspects that aren't addressed in our uh, current liturgy. And some of it, you know, Mark, I mean, um, some of it was about climbing up for my own grief from the, the, the death of my wife and literally writing my way uh, into a new relationship with God. This is why I call it a, ro a romance, prayer, a romance, because um, sometimes that romance isn't working. Sometimes um, it, it's just tough to keep mm -hmm. the connection with prayer. You said it yourself, Mark, that your relationship with prayer has its ups and downs. Look, I feel... Yes, it does, and I, I think partly it's it's just, you know, as you know, I mean, I've had my own loss this year, and it's just like, how do I how do I find that voice of, of grief and that that kind of pain expressed in prayer? And sometimes I really do, by the way, and sometimes like the, the being part of a minyan and, and saying the Kaddish every day is, is actually been profoundly meaningful to me. But 
there are times where it's just you know the circumstances of a life the, the 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 frustrations the sorrows the the despair that we're feeling you know maybe related to to, to the, the political reality of our world or whatever it is that makes people feel distressed sometimes those feelings of anguish don't lead people to prayer they lead people to a sense of of, of, of despair where they, they they sort of always want to give up hope and I think that I mean, I think that's a naive understanding of, of, of prayer. I think some people have like a, a very childish notion of prayer. And clearly you and I, well, clearly you and I, I mean, I think you and I understand that prayer is so much more nuanced than that. And if you look at like the book of Psalms, the 150 chapters of Psalms, I mean, every human emotion is in there. And those are the, the backdrop of many of, many of our, our prayers in the liturgy. But there's anger and frustration and fear and loneliness and and hope and joy and gratitude i mean they're, they're all expressed in there so i think that the idea that prayer is only reserved for when we're feeling connected or where we're feeling faithful or where we you know all of that i mean the title of your your book your first book is jewish prayers of hope and healing um maybe you maybe there's a, a, a prayer that you want to share with us so we get a sense of the kinds of prayers that you write would you read something for us that's that thank you it's a lovely offer um I'm waffling, Mark, at the moment between, you know, a really uplifting piece called Whispered Prayer and, and, and one of my pieces that are, that's more of like a poetic and um, uh, prophetic admonishment to get out of grief, get out of pain. Um, and it's a, it's a headier, harder bit. And I think that's like not all of our prayers have to be sweetness and light. I mean, some of them just cut right in. Because for me, that's what I need. Of course. And then, you know, worth just saying parenthetically here that um, Rabbi Nachman of Bratzlav, the, the, the great grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of Hasidism, he was really known for a practice called Hibbodadut, which was like, go out into the forest, go to a field and just pour out your heart. And no, that's not always going to be sweetness and light. My anger and my bitterness and my frustration and my yearning and all of it just poured out. So yes, I think... Again, that, that idea that a prayer should be like, oh, I love you so much, you know, God, you're so big and wonderful and we're so grateful, you know, that's a very naive way of looking at prayer. So share the dirty one with, not, <laughs> sorry, your prayers are not yeah, the difficult one. I'm sure you don't write dirty prayers. Um, Maybe I, prayers can be dirty too. I mean, there are sensual prayers for sure, right? I have one prayer called Come Beloved, which I, I, I just mentioned, which is a... Um, a Yadid Nefesh um, piece, and it is so sensual um, and and loving in that sense, and 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 so you know not in the the um, sense of of um, dirty in that way, but certainly um, really calling our emotions and our senses, and well, Havdalah of sure. course calls all our senses for sure. So this is the this is the, the the edgier one. We'll go with that word. It's called regarding old wounds. Daughter of man, son of woman, children of compassion and sacred secrets. Your wounds are deep. Your losses crushing. Knife on flesh, hammer on bone, burning your heart and searing your eyes. Why do you invite them back to chastise your days and torture your nights? Why do you love these? old wounds holding them so dear 
Son of celebration, daughter of ecstasy, cast off your doubts, banish your fears, exile the pain of time beyond your reach. There is beauty in your past, wonder in your future, and holiness in each new moment of life. Come, you children of God, you witnesses of suffering and grace. Lift your heads from your hands, raise your voices in song, and lift your lives in service, and rekindle the light of compassion and love. Then your lives will become a blessing, a well of hope, a river of consolation, a fountain of peace. Blessed are you, God of forgiveness. You renew our lives with purpose. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So this losses are deep, crushing, knife on flesh, hammer on bone. I mean, sometimes it just, it's hard. We go through tough stuff. Sure. And my experience as a rabbi is for sure that some people, when they've really confronted a, a very painful loss, abandon everything. They're like, well, how can there be a God if this happened? And they they really um, let go of any kind of spiritual life or prayer life or anything like that. And other people I've seen the opposite. I mean, I've seen a lot of it. And I think that the, I mean, at the risk of repeating myself again and saying, you know, in a different way, things that you've already said too. I mean, it's it, it, it has to be nuanced. I was I was reading um, the other day, or listening rather, the other day to a a beautiful teaching um, by the by the poet David White, and in it he was quoting an idea from Keats, and 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 Keats said, you know, that there's very little said Keats of which I'm certain, but what I'm certain of of is the holiness of the heart's connections. I think it was, and the truth of the imagination. The truth of the imagination. I, I know you have have spoken about that that sense of prayer being like a, in a sense we're 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 play acting, or as I like to say, pray acting, in a sense that there's a, a sense of entering a world of make believe. But that's not. I don't think we should belittle that. I think that as a society, as a culture, as a world, we have lost the the depth of imagination. And I think to have a rich life of prayer. We have to have a life of imagination. We know that God's not this personified being. We know that God's not, you know, got nostrils like I, like I spoke about when we were, I was talking about the, the pleasing odor to God. But like at the same time, you know, this existence as we as we see it, it's it, you know, to, to 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 limit our imaginations and not not be able to see beyond and not be able to have a way of expressing ourselves in this world that imagines a, a different kind of reality. I think is is also part of prayer right I mean the certainly the the prayers that we find in the Tanakh in the Hebrew Bible and the prayers in the Talmud I mean they are about people imagining a different reality to the one that we're living in right now right and 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 the prayer not only is it imagining a different reality but it's also an active partnership in changing the reality you and I went for a, a beautiful hike this morning and toward the end of the hike you made a bracha you said a prayer and the intention of of saying a prayer of acknowledging this you know the, we were in in the flat irons and and acknowledging the beauty and the majesty changes the whole moment it's no longer a hike it's no longer a beautiful moment but it's a moment that has been elevated to uh, include my relationship with god our relationship beautiful way of putting it i mean abraham joshua heschel said that you know a, saying a, a blessing can turn a, 
a mundane physical experience into a spiritual adventure, you know, and I, I know you you've speak about radical amazement, which is another Heschelian idea, the idea that we see the world with these, this willingness to be amazed by it. I mean, I think that the, the specific bracha, the blessing that you referred to, I said as I was looking at the, the, the snow on the, on the flat irons, and I, I said the blessing, Baruch Atah which is the idea that, blessed are you, eternal God, you know, rule of the universe, who, who continuing, is continuing to perform the works of creation, the original creation, the idea that when we're seeing, when we're seeing something majestic in the natural world, it's as if it is being created for us in that moment somehow, even though it's being created billions of years ago, not 5,777 years. But it, it's like that idea, and I think that the, the Talmud has this incredible, incredible invitation to us. It says that if we enjoy anything in the physical world with our senses, whether it's something we smell or see or taste or touch, and we don't say a bracha, we don't say a blessing, it's as if we've misappropriated um, temple property you know, holy objects from the temple. Because the metaphor is that, you know, this physical world in all of its beauty and majesty is like God's temple. And so everything in it is sacred. And by saying a blessing, it's like we're acknowledging the sacred nature of what it is. I, I think it's Jonathan Sachs who said that... that Lord Jonathan Sachs. Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs. Nachon. Um, who said that... Um, uh, God's blessings flow continuously, but unless we make ourselves a vessel for them, they'll flow es- elsewhere. Prayer is the act of making ourselves into a vessel for God's blessings. Beautiful. And you know what? I think that is a lovely a lovely place to end. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And I'm going to actually, before we close, I'm going to invite you to say that same phrase that you just said again as a, as a kind of invitation and a bracha, a blessing to anybody who's listening to this right now. So again, this is Alden Solovey from, from Jerusalem. It's been wonderful. And uh, say it again. So quoting Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, uh, God's blessings flow continuously. And unless we make ourselves a vessel for those blessings, they flow elsewhere. Prayer makes us into a bless, a vessel for God's blessings. Prayer makes us into a vessel for God's blessings. Amen, Amen. brother. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Adash and Drush. We will see you next time.